Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, October 28th, 2022. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes and I'm joined by the new face of video games, Blessing, Eddie Oye Jr. Tim, you know how when it comes to the basic white girl brand, right? It is, oh man, it's Friday morning, I got my Starbucks, I got mm-hmm. my Taylor Swift playing on the radio. Mm-hmm. Tim, today I'm brought to you by IHOP Coffee. And Sabrina Carpenter. <laughs> oh, okay. I was listening to Sabrina Carpenter okay. this morning. And she has a song called Nonsense that is currently my song of the decade. I fucking love that song wow. so much. Yeah, wow. you heard Sabrina- the song. So, I mean, you're you're taking a stand here. You know, I know people that won't even listen to Sabrina. <sighs> you know, like, for me, it's what are you bringing to the table in terms of talent? Mm-hmm. And she stepped up recently. She has. You know, when Yo. it was Olivia Rodrigo versus Sabrina versus Joshua uh, Bassett back in the year. Was that last year? Was that 2021? God, time's a flat circle. Back back in 2021, I was like, well, I got to side with my girl, Olivia Rodrigo, because she, she's out here killing it on High School Musical, the musical series. She's out here dropping sour, banger album. But now she's all part-timer, you know? I mean... She's pulling, she thinks she's champ. She thinks she's head of the game, head of the table. She just walks out like she's well, just cameos on season three, four, whatever the hell we are. That's the thing is she's outgrown the show. She's gotten too big that the show can't keep her in a main role. And that's some, that's some boss shit, mm-hmm. Tim. And here's the thing, right? I, I had a side with her on it. I'm like, you, you got the power, you got the talent, you got the stuff. This year, the last few months, Sabrina Carpenter has proven that she has the stuff. I don't know if you've seen the TikTok trend with Sabrina Carpenter where she's on tour right now, touring her, her, uh, her album. And every, every time she sings this song, Nonsense, there comes a part at the end of the song where in each different city of the tour, she changes up the lyrics. And it's always some kind of like spicy. It's always kind of something like, like there was one where, uh, I don't know what city it was, but she was like, um, uh, the lyrics that she added was, this song is not about Joshua Bassett as the lyric. And it's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> that's spicy, right? And like other cities, she's like, she's like, oh man, Toronto, you're looking real cute tonight. Like she has that as a lyric. And I'm like, oh man, she, she's thinking steps ahead, uh-huh. right? She's streets ahead with this thing. She's killing it. Go listen to this nonsense on Spotify. <laughs> Stream nonsense. Shout out to Sabrina Carpenter. The Carpenter revolution is coming, y'all. It's happening. It's happening. Be a part of it. Or don't. The, the choice is yours. Tim, you're doing your Starbucks this morning. What's up? You're doing your Starbucks this morning? Always. How can I get you on the IHOP train? I, oh, man. I don't know, man. I'm How pretty you deep. you got to turn him into a psychopath like you are. Yeah. <laughs> IHOP coffee, man. That's like, I, I'm trying okay, to think but, through. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Bless. You did not go to IHOP just for this fucking That's coffee. That's what I'm saying. What the logistics of this. No. What were you eating in the back? What did you get from IHOP that you ate for breakfast this morning? I got an IHOP <laughs> buffalo chicken sandwich. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was 930. <laughs> yeah. What? 
Nine. is your problem i i couldn't hold it in when barrett walked over to me eating at the table area and he like gives me a look and he's like what are you eating is that a chicken sandwich? i'm like yeah and it's like what the and i and then i turned the thing and i showed my ihop logo and he's like what the fuck is wrong with you you got a buffalo chicken sandwich <laughs> and a coffee from ihop at 9 30 in the morning <laughs> when you say when you say it like that i understand how that sounds insane but here's the thing right i can ex- i can explain myself i had a gift card what am I supposed to do? And I use this gift card. <laughs> Eat some breakfast food it was or a, something. It's a seventy-five dollar gift card. I got to get through this thing somehow. Yeah, I, and, and, and that is fair. That is fair. But the choice of coffee and a buffalo chicken sandwich is just—that's a choice. Here's the other thing, right? I went. I was originally going to go to McDonald's, get my traditional McCafe, my McDonald's coffee. And get a hash brown, right? And call it call it a day. My usual breakfast is just a hash brown, uh, but the line was really wrong. It was really long in the drive-through, so I was like, "Oh man, okay, I, I ain't got time for this." So I went to IHOP. I sat in the in the parking lot there, and I was like, "What am I going to order off the app today?" And I scrolled through. I I almost I almost went for the chocolate chip pancakes. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's too much on a Friday morning. Got chocolate it. chip pancakes might be doing too much. But, but <laughs> instead, buffalo chicken sandwich isn't. Instead, I'm going to do a buffalo chicken sandwich like a normal human being at 9.30 a.m. and a coffee, a medium coffee. And here we are. They call that Trenta in Starbucks language. That's what they do, everybody. That is what they do. But you know what we do here on YouTube.com slash games? We talk about all the video game news that you need to know. We do it live. You can also get it live on twitch.tv slash games. But if live's not your thing, come back later on YouTube and we'll be there for you. If you want to get us as a podcast, search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny Games Daily and we will be right there for you. If you want to get the show ad-free, you got to go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, just like our Patreon producers Fargo Brady have done. We appreciate you so very, very much. Remember, if you don't have a buck to toss our way, that's cool. When you're on the Epic Game Store, use the code kind of funny and it helps us without costing you a penny more. Fantastic stuff all around. A little housekeeping for you. Who are you going to call to talk Ghostbusters VR? Us. On Monday, our Halloween stream kicks off with the Ghostbusters VR world premiere. Greg's played it. He's talking to the team who made it and they're debuting the name and key art. So don't miss it. That's very exciting on Halloween, bless. You gotta love it. Hell yeah. That's the king of Halloween. Actually, that's been passed on now. Oh, who is it? It is. Uh, there are co kings, Janet Garcia and Sage Ryan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. 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 It was that's... a t- 8 a.m. in the morning thing yeah. during, yeah. Was a, that during was the a marathon decision. stream. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big decision. Uh, and speaking of big decisions, we decided to do our second stream today, starting now. This is it. We're celebrating with everybody all of the success that we've had in the spare bedroom thus far after Games Daily. We're going to go until 5 p.m. Pacific today playing games and having fun right here on Twitch and YouTube to push the bar on Patreon.com slash KindOfFunny. So hang out with us all day. Twitch.tv slash KindOfFunnyGames. YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames. We're just going to be hanging out until 5 p.m. Having fun. We're going to do some some fun games together, some fun hangout times together. No matter what happens, it's going to be fun. Uh, what else do we got here for you? Housekeeping PSA. This comes from KDG. Clocks go back in Europe and UK this Sunday, the 30th. So Games Daily will be an hour earlier for the week until the U.S. catches up. What was the, la- what was the verdict on Daylight Savings Time? Because I know there was some back and forth <laughs> there for a little bit. Are we still yeah, doing I it? Yeah, I thought we were voting on, like, uh, if we didn't go to the Supreme Court. But also the Supreme Court is, like, a bunch of an insane people right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Conifony.com says you're wrong. We still doing Daylight Savings. What's the vibe? It's still pending. Well, so snug slides. I think we're still doing it, but okay. But like the, the clocks are changing because that means that it's happening soon. The, the clocks are changing, mm-hmm. which this honestly, 
thank God. They're <laughs> saying one last time. One last time. We got one, one last, last go. <laughs> this is the finale of one Daylight Savings. One last time. I've been waking up, and it's been so dark, and I'm like, we got to we gotta turn, we gotta turn these, these clocks back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, know he, I know the argument is, to, is against that, right? People want more day in the evening. But I need my. I can't wake up to nighttime anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm yeah. ready for this. Yeah. Uh, There's a new episode of PS. I love you. XOXO out today. All about the best games of 2022 that we've yet to finish. You can check that in all the regular places. Uh, today we're brought to you by Policy Genius and the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. But we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. A baker's dozen. Story number one, Ubisoft officially announces Assassin's Creed multiplayer. This comes from Tom Henderson at Insider Gaming. Ubisoft has officially announced an Assassin's Creed multiplayer title called Project Invictus, which will be a standalone multiplayer game from the Four Honor Vets. As detailed in Ubisoft's latest earnings report, additionally, a team including Four Honor veterans is currently working on bringing back multiplayer to Assassin's Creed with a standalone experience through Infinity under the project codename Invictus. Good lord, there's so many names and code names involved now, bless. Dude, right? <laughs> we got Project what? Hex, Project Red, mm-hmm. Project Jade, now Project Invictus. Mirage. <laughs> the standalone multiplayer title will be part of Assassin's Creed Infinity Hub, taking the hub to now three titles Red, Hex, and Invictus. As described by Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed Infinity will be a gateway for all Assassin's Creed experiences where the meta story will live asynchronously. <laughs> the announcement of Invictus now brings the total number of Assassin's Creed titles in official development to five. Uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is the one taking place in Baghdad. Assassin's Creed Project Red, taking place in Japan. Assassin's Creed Project Hex, Central Europe. Assassin's Creed Project Jade, is the mobile game set in China. And now Assassin's Creed Invictus, which is the multiplayer game. Hell yeah. This is pr- pretty good news. I, I I think it's fascinating in the context of just what Assassin's Creed is currently and what they're trying to build Assassin's Creed into. I think they could do a better job trying to explain Assassin's Creed Infinity because I'm still just the tiniest bit confused about like, okay, so is it just, is it a launcher? Is it a game that's containing more games? Like what is, can, what is the, the breakdown of what Assassin's Creed Infinity my, is? My understanding, because I feel like the last time we got an update about it, it sounded like, um what's the like the ubisoft launcher on pc like it's essentially just gonna be that but for assassin's creed Creed. which is this still called Uplay? play at one point it was Uplay. play it might still be play was awful (laughs) you want some Uplay points tim i got some Uplay points for you i don't want them which i think they they changed it to ubisoft connect right that was the thing that happened Mm. uh recently that sounds familiar yeah um but with that right they want assassin's creed to essentially be its own i mean it's it already is its own brand but they want to push that idea even further and make it its own i guess like system now where it is hey you like assassin's creed we'll get ready for assassin's creed mobile assassin's creed multiplayer assassin's creed single player and uh, different forms of assassin's creed multiplayer games because we have the modern western rpg assassin's creeds with odyssey and origin but then you also have the classic versions and mirage seems like is leaning into what a classic assassin's creed is this new Assassin's Creed uh, multiplayer game, Invictus, sounds like something people want, right? Assassin's Creed had multiplayer back in the day. Funny enough, I think we just had the conversation recently about the era of single-player games that had packaged-in multiplayer games mm-hmm. that are modes that, you know, times would be really cool, but wouldn't necessarily have the reach because they are part of this thing that you're buying because of the single-player, right? I think it's a smart move to go, hey, people really like that Assassin's Creed multiplayer stuff. What if you just took that and made it made it its own game and gave it the opportunity to be successful on its own and maybe have more reach because of that? 
Absolutely. And I think uh, jumping off of the conversation we're having yesterday about all those things, uh, or whenever we, we were talking about that, um, you look at Ubisoft, and we were talking about kind of sharing the resources and knowledge bases and all that. And what would a modern Ubisoft team working on an Assassin's Creed multiplayer game, like who has learnings from that? The yeah. For Honor team. Oh, right. Yeah. So it like makes a lot of sense that Ubisoft is kind of doing exactly what we were talking about yesterday, which is taking uh, their skill sets and applying it to brands that they know work, like Assassin's Creed, which Assassin's Creed's been many things over the years, and it sounds like with Infinity, they're trying to like simultaneously refocus all of that, but then also redefine yeah. all the verticals that Assassin's Creed can be and that will be going forward with mobile iterations, single-player iterations, bigger single-player iterations, and then multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they had an Assassin's Creed showcase, I think, is the start of that. That mm -hmm. is something that I'm sure they want to do regularly. I'm sure next year there's going to be another showcase that is, hey, here are updates on all these games we announced, and also here's more games. I know there's an, um, a rumored Assassin's Creed VR game as well that uh, Insider Game was talking about as well. So, like, they're really, they're really going hard. It's the same that we talk about with uh, PlayStation and even Nintendo when it comes to, hey, we have Mario as a franchise. What are all the different things we can do with Mario to get creative with it and also use the IP and get give people all the different avenues they want? So Mario multiplayer in Mario Kart, right? Mario single player in the 3D Marios. Mario single player in the 2D Marios, right? Like Mario Party games. Like how many different versions of Mario can we make? And on one hand, that can seem like milking. But on the other hand, I think if you do it right and treat each project with care, then it's not milking, right? It is mm -hmm maximizing the potential of the ip which sounds very businessy but it is what it is right and i think that is a good thing if they're able to nail all these different games which at this moment you know for a ubisoft that is in a place where i think they are trying to redefine themselves as a publisher and developer uh as much as they are trying to redefine the assassin's creed series assassin's creed i would say is their their jewel right it is their hey we don't want to fuck this up Right. We, we've had um, uh, Tom Clancy games that, that like, you know, some of them come out great. Some of them don't come out great. We have new IP. We have gods and or not gods, monsters. What a Immortal Phoenix Rising that like, <laughs> came out and some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. We have franchise. We have iterations of games that we put out all the time that either hit or don't hit. And if it, it don't, they don't hit. It is what it is. Right. Like not many of us are playing World of Champions right now. And it is what it is. How many of us are going to play Skull and Bones when it comes out? soon no not soon it got delayed when it comes out next year <laughs> i don't know like but if it doesn't hit it is what it is assassin's creed needs to hit like i know assassin's creed has had misses in the past but for where assassin's creed is at right now between origins going into odyssey going into valhalla all of those all those games for the most part in the, in the parts that matter have had good reception and i think assassin's creed still still is in very good standing in ubisoft and it is maybe the only franchise that is at least at that good standing at Ubisoft. So you can't fuck this up. Yeah. And I mean, I think that goes back to a conversation we have often, which is what is Ubisoft nowadays? Like mm. we've known what a Ubisoft game means for years, but that identity, I think, is no longer unique to them. That's kind of just transcended uh, the industry overall when it comes to games and like uh, that style of gameplay. But then you look at Ubisoft and back in even five years ago, I feel like they had an identity that you can rely on of the balance and um, kind of breakdown of the types of games they were making, the IP that they were making and all of that. You look at it now and I feel like you're you're making a really good point about Assassin's Creed, kind of like it needs to be good because we've already seen what happens to Assassin's Creed when it's not as well received. Mm. It's annualized, people love it, the games are great, but then all of a sudden the quality starts yeah. to waver a little bit and then there's that tanking yeah. moment, right? And I think that we are, at that point again, where we've had the quality titles coming out that speak to semi-different audiences, uh, depending on what the title is. Like even just um, within kind of funny, like I'm always interested in the Assassin's Creed Barrett prefers versus what Greg prefers, right? Yeah. Like 
um, or even like Yusuf, right? Like everyone kind of has a different favorite of the the modern games, which I think is a testament to there is quality there. Like there, like Ubisoft is not only putting out bad games or things that people don't care about. They're very much yeah. doing I, their most important brand right. Greg defines himself as a Ubisoft person, right? Like those are his kinds of games, and there are those people, right? Far Cry Six came out last year, and I had very little interest in Far Cry Six, but. Janet played it. Greg played it. I know quite a few people that played Far Cry 6 and enjoyed that game. You know, they make games that do appeal to a, uh, a certain type of audience, right? And that audience is big, right? If that audience wasn't big, we wouldn't be getting so many Ubisoft games back to back to back in so many uh, iterations. And I think, I, I think there's still even more potential for Assassin's Creed. Like, I look at Project Red, which is the Japanese one, and I'm like, yo, let's go. You're telling me that, Assassin's Creed, or that uh, Ubisoft is trying to make their own Ghost of Tsushima? I love Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I'll play, I'll play a Feudal Japan Assassin's Creed, no problem. Even Project Hex, which is the like, Witch Trials uh, uh, sort of one, right? That sounds interesting. Like, I'm, I'm not somebody who... Uh, the premise of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I don't think it ever appealed to me. But in Assassin's Creed, that is, yo, yeah, we're hunting witches and shit. That sounds fun. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'll give that a try. You know, and I think that can be the avenue that Assassin's Creed takes, which is let's find these cool, unique settings and hopefully grab more people in as we go. And if this one doesn't grab them, maybe the next one will. But we're, we're trying to turn fans into as many people as possible by, you know, dipping into all these different eras and throwing in these ideas that, you know, work. And especially for games that I think do have mass appeal just in terms of genre. They're open world action games with yeah. RPG elements. That is the most, hey, come play this game type of genre that you can be, right? Like that's why, that's a big part of why PlayStation is excelling right now in first party is, yeah. you know, they're putting those out in Horizon, in uh, Ghost of Tsushima, in more. And yeah, like uh, Assassin's Creed, I think, could be one of those, even if it is a, like the Ubisoft version of that, right? Because like Ubisoft, I think we don't look at as, the triple the AAA polish of a PlayStation Studios, but if they're still able to do that on a regular scale and on a consistent basis, then I think that's going to be big. And I think the the direction of Assassin's Creed in terms of their business strategy of it, I believe in. I think there's I think there's good stuff in here. I just hope they nail it. I hope they execute well. I mean, I think that's the most important part. And I think, in my opinion, so far they haven't nailed that part because the fact that Assassin's Creed Infinite just as a platform is as confusing as it is for people right now and I'm, the answers are out there in a lot of ways but i feel like the answers aren't satisfying for some of the things where i feel like the idea of infinite hasn't been justified yet it will be hopefully yeah. once we start seeing the releases and understanding what the I mean, rollout in this, in this article like. as described by ubisoft quote assassin's creed infinity will be a gateway for all assassin's creed experiences where the meta story will live asynchronously end quote Ubisoft, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, what are you trying to tell me right now? I, I feel like it's pretty simple. Like, I feel like it is, like, if not a launcher, it is just a place where you can go and then it has, like, the, the different storylines yeah. and how they relate and stuff. Like, Metal Gear Solid 4 had a companion app in 2007 that was the uh, MGS database. And you can kind of go in and, like, get info and backstory on some of the older games to, like, catch up and all that. I imagine this is just going to be, like, a much more modernized social version of that to some extent then mm -hmm. like it links with your account i don't know i don't know yeah i mean my like, my idea of it like when assassin's creed let's say assassin's creed mirage followed by hex followed by red come out i imagine that if you're playing on playstation those will be different games right you're not just launching one game and it's going it's taking you to all these different assassin's creed games right they'll still be individual games but i imagine it just connects back to your ubisoft account in a thing that is branded assassin's creed infinity right and it's how you're tracking 
stories, progression, achievements, maybe stuff like that. Whereas maybe on PC, there's going to be a, I imagine there's a section of Ubisoft Connect that is the Assassin's Creed Infinity section. You click that, and that's where you are launching individual games. I imagine it's just a way to bring them together in a way that feels homogenous. Um, but it's, I don't know if it's going to be anything innov innovative in terms of the way that you're launching and playing Assassin's Creed. I think it's just a way to connect everything together. Connect. So you can track your connect. Ubisoft Connect. Whoa. Story number two. This one's definitely a whoa moment. Paragon is being revived. This comes from Jordan Midler at VGC. Paragon, a MOBA that was shut down in 2018 by Epic, is being revived. Spotted by PC Gamer, the defunct MOBA is being reborn as Paragon the Overprime. It's being developed by South Korean studio Netmarble and will be a free-to-play action MOBA. Paragon the Overprime is a free team-based TPS action MOBA. <laughs> Uh, choose one of the many powerful heroes with unique skills and work with your teammates to conquer the prime battlefield speed across the battlefield with the heroes of prime and feel the thrill of the action it's all according to the game's description on the epic game store the game will enter early access soon however no time frame has been given for how long the game will remain in this state paragon was a third person MOBA that was released in march 2016 on pc at playstation 4 initially released as a pay-to-play early access title it entered open beta in 2016 andrea renee loved this game oh yeah she was the face of that game for sure uh before the game could receive a full release however the game was closed down and much of the team's efforts were redirected to fortnite which was in the process of taking over the world following the closure of paragon almost all the game's assets were released for free by epic and have made their way into several other games in october netmarble was granted by epic games to use all paragon assets to craft overprime this allows the company to use all of the ip including the trademark for paragon as a project I never thought I'd hear that name ever again. Me neither. That's wild. I, I'm sure, like, Angel Renee, I'm sure he's doing a happy dance. No, oh, yeah. Currently. I, if I had the forethought, I would have maybe hit up Andrea, but, like, I don't know Andrea like that to, like, get her in the call. I feel like you know, know her like that to call yeah. her up and be like, yo, can you talk about Paragon and what this is? Because, like, I, Paragon is maybe the closest I've gotten into being interested in a MOBA. I am not a MOBA person. I had tried League of Legends. It just didn't stick with me. Paragon, when they announced it, I was like, oh, this, this has a really cool style to it it looks more traditional action right it's more behind the back it's not as top down as something like league or, or dota and so already there i'm like okay this appeals to me more but then just the style of, of the world the uh, uh i don't know if they're like mech suits but they're cool looking suits <laughs> that they're uh, uh walking around in and piloting and it like everything stylistically about paragon appeals to me um i want to say i booted it up once for like five minutes just to see how it felt real quick and i was like oh, okay maybe i can see myself playing more of this but i never got around to it because it shut down um so i'm happy i'm happy for the paragon fan base right like some of their uh, net marble decided has decided to bring it back you know that's good for them good for the people that have missed out on this thing that they liked that didn't go away because it was bad right it just went away because fortnite was good and yeah. epic needed to pull resources away to make sure that fortnite uh could grow the way that now fortnite has grown so like honestly good move on you epic you did yeah. the damn thing and again plus we keep talking about similar things here but it's like when there are these moments where different ideas in video games are able to kind of uh go through their testing and experimental phase and then we we understand that, oh these are the moves forward these are yeah. the learnings from all of this of how to do this genre right or how to monetize this correctly and i feel like now that fortnite and all these other games have kind of proving the path forward titles that didn't work before can come back and work now because epic understands the correct way to create a good user experience and also make them money yeah which like that is the end goal for everybody is everyone being happy like getting a product that they like and the people getting paid for that product now my question is how much involvement will epic have 
with this, if any, because it seems like the whole thing was, you know, epic after uh, Paragon shut down, they let people have their way, right? Like, hey, make stuff out of Paragon assets if you want. You know, we're not going to do Paragon anymore because we're focusing on Fortnite. Net Marvel comes through and they're like, yo, we're doing it all. <laughs> like, we're making, we're bringing back Paragon uh, and we're crafting Paragon uh, over Prime. I wonder if there's going to be any collaboration where they're like, hey, Epic, like this is originally your thing. Do you want any say? Do you want to help us? You know, do you want to put this on your front page? Like, yeah. do you want to own this with us and like make sure this is as successful as it needs to be, or if it's just going to be a solo effort from uh, Net Marble? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the the coolest thing of where Epic is now is that they are so successful, and because they have their their different avenues of revenue, whether it's making their own games or um, partnering with people or having the Epic Game Store itself, um, as well as engines and all this stuff, where mm. they're kind of like they have their hands in all the the cookie jars uh, in the industry. It's like they're allowed to kind of um, use that to help others, which then helps them. So it's like by giving other developers access to the stuff that will then be used on their game store. It's like they're going to make money from this, even if it mm -hmm. is just a partnership of promoting it heavily um, for then player bases to be excited, play it, then they get the money from that. Yeah. Was this everyone that appealed to you? No, no, no. That's fair enough. Yeah, fair I remember enough. this. They ended uh, PSX with this uh, reveal. Oh, and, oh, yeah. And it was uh, holy shit! I forgot about that, that. That being the end was kind of like a huh. That was mm -hmm. that was a choice for sure, especially for a PSX that started with Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, <laughs> which was so exciting. That, I think that was just the, that weird time where MOBAs were the biggest thing in the world, and there weren't really any on console. And so, like, they end with Paragon and go, "Hey." Here's a dope ass uh, MOBA that's coming to PlayStation console exclusively. Like, oh, let's go! But it's it is the thing of like, wait, really? This is what you're ending with? Mm -hmm. But I remember, yeah, I, remember, I think that was the thing that originally sold me. Where I was like, oh, this is a weird thing to end with. I don't know if it's my jam, but it looks cool. Like, yeah. it looks interesting. So maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, story number three: Sega claims the Sonic franchise has surpassed 1.5 billion in sales and downloads. This comes from Jordan Midler at VGC. Why? Why is the headline Sega claims as if okay. we don't believe them? <laughs> well, that's look, that was the first thing I noticed when I was uh, when I was copying over the article. I was like, "What the fuck? What do you mean Sega claims? <laughs> All right, it's fucking so put some respect on Sonic's like, name. Leave I mean, Sonic it, it, alone. Did anybody double check their sources? You know? <laughs> why like, do they think they're lying about Sonic? It has movies. It has multiple movies. Yeah, and Sonic does well. <laughs> oh, that's so freaking funny. Sega's published updated sales of its biggest franchises and claimed that. <laughs> Claimed that the Sonic franchise has cleared 1.5 billion units. This number includes free premium game sales as well as downloads of the various Sonic free-to-play titles that have been released over the years. That's weird. That's a weird, weird way to phrase that. There's a lot of listen. There's a lot of justification from Jordan Midler going on in this article. Okay. This okay. Article, yeah. So maybe that's why the claims is is coming into play. Well, the franchise sold well at the peak of its powers. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you, Jordan Midler. You're making my morning here. Uh, at the peak of its powers in the 90s and continue to have a strong following despite the dis disappointing commercial and critical reception of some titles in the, in the 2000s, the explosion of the mobile market's taken the Sonic franchise to new heights. Since 2013, Sega's released Sonic Dash, Sonic Runners, Sonic Dash 2, Sonic Boom, and Sonic Runners Adventures on mobile. These endless runner games are free to play but feature microtransactions. Factor in the various sequels and free-to-play versions of the original Sonic titles, and it becomes clear that much of the 1.51 billion number is made up of free-to-play mobile downloads. For example, the most popular of the endless runner games, Sonic Dash, has reportedly surpassed 500 million downloads as of 2021, making up over one-third of the franchise's overall units with one game. 
Wow. Sonic Forces Speed Battle, a mobile game from 2017, reportedly passed $94 million downloads as of April 2022. Google's Play Store also offers some insight into how the games have performed as it places badges denoting how many times the game's been downloaded on popular titles. Sonic Dash has a 100 million plus downloads badge, while Sonic Forces, as well as several other Sonic titles, including a re-release of the first game, have the 50 million plus downloads. Here's what I need from you, Jordan Midler, all right? Let's quiet down. <laughs> Let's take have their win. Let them say that the Sonic franchise has surpassed 1.5 billion sales and downloads. Okay? You don't need to double check this. It, you just proved you just proved why this is the case. Is it all free mobile game downloads? Maybe. But, like, you know, quiet down a little bit. All right? A win is a win. So freaking <laughs> A win funny. is a win, Tim. Just give it to them. Give just it to them, have, man. This little it. hedgehog has been running for 30 years. Let him have something. Let him have 1.5 billion. <laughs> God, that is a wild number to think about, though. Right? Yeah, but it, I mean, it, it's a wild number. But given Jordan Midler's explanation, does make sense. There have been a hella. I mean, Sonic is a big, big IP, mm-hmm. and there have been hella uh, free mobile games with that. Big a varying IP. quality. Like varying these, quality some of these sure. games, they're pretty fun. Like I've played maybe not the majority of these, but I've downloaded some of them and had a good time with them. They're endless runners with Sonic. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. And even when we're talking about, I know most of this is the mobile stuff, but even when we're talking about traditional Sonic games, I personally have bought a lot of individual Sonic games, right? I couldn't tell you many times I probably bought Sonic 1 through 3, let alone, yeah, like the PS2 games. And there have been a lot of iterations of, of like, each generation has a lot of Sonic games on it. And I've played and bought a lot of those games. Uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of people like me that are buying a lot of these games, right? If you're talking about just pure console, like traditional console sales of Sonic, of course, it's not 1.5 billion sales because what has 1.5 billion? But I'm sure the numbers there are pretty astronom- astronomical as well for console for a console IP. I mean, oh, for sure, especially over time with the quantity of titles that are out there and like just the the legacy of sonic as a character it's like yeah. just been there since the, the the heyday of like the sega versus nintendo in the 90s right and like sonic was the face of that where like i bet it's like sonic one alone has probably sold more than some entire franchises that you think are big deals for sure yeah you know like how much did sonic one sell? hold on tim is doing some and i wonder if even certain. just just like console versions because like yeah sonic one's also on mobile which is Cheating in some ways, but also... I mean, it's Sonic 1, right? Yeah, oh, man. It's still Sonic yeah. 1. Yeah. Uh, it's a port. Portland Kevin in chat says, is Sonic Colors any good? Never played that one. It's pretty good. Sonic Colors is is good, but I think when it first came out, it was like, oh my god, it's really good. Yeah. But now that we have the context and like we've actually gotten like other Sonic games that aren't that bad, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, Colors isn't anything that special. I'm not going to rock for it the way that I used to. At the time, it felt special because that was the first time we had like a traditional Sonic game like that in a while, right? Like you're coming off, what I forget what year Colors came out, but I believe you're... 2006. No, because Sonic 06 came out in 06. So Colors would have came out in like... Oh, like 08, 08 probably. 08, yeah. 08 09, like that, that era. So like you're coming off of... 06, which was a tragedy. You're coming off of Unleashed, right? You're coming off of... Um, um, well, I think you might have been coming off of the other Wii titles as well. So Sonic and the Black Black Knight and Sonic and the Secret Seven Rings. Sacred Rings, the Seven Secret Infinity Rings. Stones Rings. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Sonic Colors was just a breath of fresh air <laughs> coming off of those games. Sonic 1 is at 22 million sold. That's a 22 lot. 22 million. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's Well, I mean, see, there's one way that they break it down here, including like other ports, and then it's at 44 million. 
So depending, mm. either way you cut it, it's like that's still a lot more than a lot of entire franchises. So yeah. and people are people are year wronging us. Uh, Colors came out in 2010. Damn, was it really? Yeah. Oh, we were getting flat circle. I hate it. I hate it so much. Speaking of people claiming things, actually, yeah. Speaking of people claiming things, I want to bring up something from from Jeff Keighley. Jeff, the the Game Awards Keighley yeah, out there. Go for it. Because 18 hours ago, Tim, mm-hmm. he put out a tweet that just says, the things I've seen, dot, dot, dot. And I read that tweet. And I didn't read into it. I didn't think about it. But I saw it pop up again this morning as I was compiling KFG. And it made me think, what are the things that Jeff has seen? What has Jeff seen? Let's talk about that in just a second. But first, let's take a word from our sponsors. You know what I have? No, besides a game award, life insurance. I want to make sure that if anything happens to me, my family is taken care of, and you should do the same. And since life insurance typically gets more expensive as we age, now is the time to buy. I didn't get my first life insurance policy until Ben was born, but it feels great knowing that no matter what, Jen and him are going to be okay. No matter what. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. They're not incentivized to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. And your personal info is private. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Go deeper into the canals of Numenor, the mines of Khazad-dûm, and more with the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. Hosted by friend of the show, Felicia Day, and several special guests, they provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. Each episode of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs you don't want to miss. Watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. So what has he seen, Bless? I don't want to be... I don't want to wear my tinfoil hat. Oh, put it on. Uh... Kojima's new game has got to be there, right? One of his new games has got to be there. He's in, Kojima's in tease mode. He's out here asking, who am I? Where am I? Yeah. And the answer to where I think is the Game Awards, and I think Jeff has seen Kojima's. Because, like, that would, here's the thing I like about Jeff Keighley, is I think he, he's pretty good at, uh, at appropriately hyping up his own stuff. Because, like, last, well, what was it? Summer Game Fest has changed names. Kickoff. I think was the one that happened in June. I remember leading up to that, I was like, man, Jeff's not said much <laughs> about this thing. Right? Like, Jeff's not hyped this thing up. And come to find out, it was fine. Like, it was a fine showcase, right? I think he, I think he did a good job at appropriately setting expectations for what that showcase was. And I think he, he tends to do that. When he comes out and says the things I've seen, I'm thinking, what makes Jeff Keighley have that reaction? What makes Jeff Keighley go, oh boy, <laughs> this is the one. And I think it's something from Kojima, because Jeff loves Kojima. And I Kojima mean, yeah. loves Jeff. That is a that's a fair assumption. I, I think that 
we are we we're due to see something from Kojima, right? We're getting those teases, and they were around what was it, Gamescom? It was Tokyo Game Show. Tokyo Game Show, and then PAX Australia. So we're getting those teases, and like we at some points assumed we were going to get more at one of those events. We didn't. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, cool. So we're still waiting for that, the reveal of that project. And Game Awards would make sense given their relationship, but then also just timing wise of what that project could be, where it could end up and Game Awards being the end of the year. Like Game Awards is our, our last kind of place to announce games mm. from here on out for this year. Right. Yeah. And we're kind of in this place because we have God of War imminent. It's like everyone has kind of moved away. We're seeing Somerville, uh, right. Is that the name of the game? Somerville, yeah. Coming out November 15th. I feel like that's probably the last new release date we're going to get this year. <laughs> you know, otherwise, yeah. like, we kind of know what the rest of this year is going to look like. We got the, uh, what is it, the Witcher next gen oh, update. Yeah. That's still supposed to come out in 2022. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's like probably the last big one, I imagine. So then it's like, we're, what, once that's over, it's like, we're, we're on 2023 and beyond, baby. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like this Game Awards has the potential to kind of kick off like some pretty major developments. So yeah. what does that look like? If he's excited, it could also be on the Nintendo side. He Which has, would make sense. in the past, at moments, gotten big Nintendo reveals. So it could happen. Yeah. And like, when you're talking about the way that Jeff Keighley teased things up, I I really like, and I I gotta imagine that this is on purpose. The Goat Simulator Three reveal that was the De- Dead Island Two mm-hmm. fake out that turned into Goat Simulator Three, and then come Gamescom, it is hey, here's actually Dead Island Two. Like we're just closing out the show with it. Like that is a thing that I think Jeff Keighley does does on purpose, and I think when the things line up for him, right? When he's like, oh shit. I can make this lineup. I can do this. I think he takes that opportunity when he can. And I think Kojima coming out to announce uh, his podcast <laughs> on, uh, at Gamescom, I know this is probably feeling like a stretch here. It's probably feeling like a stretch. But I can see the reaction of, hey, let's give people a tease. Let's show Kojima's face at Gamescom, make people go, whoa, Kojima's here, and then turn it into a Spotify podcast just so we can come, at, come back at the next thing and go, oh, but now here's a Kojima game. That's not outside the realm of possibility for Jeff. I think that's something Jeff would do to have to have fun with it, let alone, like, uh, I brought this up to Greg a few episodes ago that Kojima the at Konami put out Metal Gear Solid 5 in 2015. Death Stranding came out four years later, 2019. We are now about to be four years past wow. Death Stranding wow. once we hit 2023. What are the chances that a game is announced at Game Awards and has a either 2023 window attached to it or 2024? Yeah. I feel like that we're getting to the point where that's becoming more and more likely because it's been a while now since we've seen Kojima's last thing. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, I imagine we're going to get that. What else besides Nintendo and Kojima? What else could he be talking about? Can Spider-Man come out today? That's a good one, actually, because we've not got a PlayStation Showcase. It doesn't seem like we're getting a PlayStation Showcase this year. Spider-Man 2, I think, is primed to be shown off after God of War Ragnarok is released, and they're done promoting. Like, PlayStation's done being all ships ahead for, um, for Ragnarok. Now that's going to be out the way. We're going to be in December. It's now time to talk about the next year. There's not really anything PlayStation first party wise that is cemented like, hey, we've they've done a lot of marketing for. There's the Final Fantasy games, which aren't first party, but are exclusive. But Spider-Man 2 has had one trailer a year ago, right? And it said 2020, I forget. I guess it said 2023. I think that's the only thing first party wise, PlayStation Studios, kind of funny.com since you're wrong, that they have announced. Yeah, come out and show Spider-Man 2 and make that the next you know, big PlayStation unicorn game on the horizon. I mean, I really, really hope so. Uh, I would love that. I just racking my brain right now trying to think game awards or just Keeley events in general. 
don't traditionally have PlayStation Studios. Yeah, that reveals. was a shot. That was a shot in the dark. For honestly. sure. But I mean, there's a lot of good points to be made of. There hasn't been a PlayStation showcase, and like I'd imagine PlayStation would want to have one and would want to save everything it has for that whenever they're ready for it. Game boards do have a lot of eyes on them. I I am always hopeful that Jeff can get all of the big reveals, like because mm-hmm. I like when they're in one place and like they're they're able to tell a story with the game awards. But um, I'm interested in the like overall. What reveals can Jeff even get at this point? Because I mean, he has gotten PlayStation. This. I mean, is, Last of Us off. was revealed. It, uh, Last of Us, the original. Original Game was revealed Awards. at Game Awards. And then the Last of Us um, factions. factions, like like the little first image or whatever. Uh, so it's like... And also, I, I, was that Last of Us Part 1 as well? Was I think that was also Game Awards. Or not Game Awards, sorry. Summer Game Fest kickoff. Yeah, because that was the... That leaks the, the morning it was supposed to be announced. And yeah. then they were all, like, deflated on the, so the stream a, about it. That was a big Naughty Dog blowout that he had mm-hmm. at Summer Game Fest kickoff. Which, I when you look at the tiers of, I think, the way Jeff Keighley um, plans and looks at his events, I don't think that it goes Game Awards kickoff, uh, Gamescom opening night live. Right, like I think Game Awards is his premiere. This oh, is what for I'm, sure. This is, this is where I'm putting all my, my my stuff into, and and I think with that, if you're getting a Naughty Dog blowout at kickoff, what can you get at Game Awards? I think you could get a Spider-Man Two trailer. I think you could get maybe a Factions trailer, even though I don't expect that because they said next year we'll get the full, uh, full look of it. But I think I think we can think in that realm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, what have you seen? What have you seen, Jeff? Let us know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> my below. DMs are open, Jeff. Moving to story number four, Steam's changing its big picture UI to match Steam Deck. This comes from a press release. We're preparing to update big picture mode with the new interface we designed for Steam Deck, and today we're making it available for testing. This update's been a long time coming, and we're excited to start gathering community feedback. This controller-first interface was designed for Steam Deck in handheld and docked mode, and is perfect for all the scenarios big picture mode currently handles. Uh, The updated mode includes features like a new home screen, a new universal search that searches across library store and friends, new controller configurator, and more. It's now in the Steam client beta on desktop and is available for testing and customer feedback. I love this. Yeah? Yeah. I, li- I really like the Steam Deck UI. Uh, I think it's way more intuitive than what the big picture mode on Steam is right now. So them replacing big picture or uh, reconfiguring big picture to be basically the Steam Deck UI, I think that's a good move. And I think it's... It's significant because I think it is Steam owning the Steam Deck even more. Um, obviously, like, they own it because they literally make it and it's selling, like, hotcakes. But then I think it feels like they are adopting Steam Deck into being, this is a core part of our ecosystem now, right? Like, we're Steam, obviously. We're, our, we're your online store for, well, the one you go to for all your online games. But Steam Deck is now, have, like, Steam Deck is having a re- reverse impact on how Steam is operating in terms of, yeah, like, UI choices for even the Steam store itself, like, that's dope, and yeah, like good on them. Like good job with the Steam Deck. Steam Deck's killing it right now. And big yeah. picture mode like always felt so old, you know. Yeah. Like that fe- that that feels like a two thousand seven eight kind of era like UI. So it's awesome that they finally were like, hey, we should probably make this not feel like that. Big picture mode was a thing I used when I bought the. Oh, this might be a kind of funny dot com. So you're wrong thing. There was like a st- little Steam box, I, I believe that went on sale for like $5 at one point because nobody was buying it and I bought it so I can get the, so I can get the um, it was either the HDMI cord or the ethernet cable or both that came in the box with it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um but I plugged it in. I was like, you know, what? let me see what this thing's about and it opened up in big picture mode and I was like, ugh, this is ugly and I never plugged it in again. I'm pretty sure it's still in my closet. Steam Link. Steam Link. Yeah, it was a Steam Link. Thank you so much. 
Yeah. yeah wow. Steam Deck was Garbo. Steam Deck, <laughs> not Garbo whatsoever. I love that thing. Hell yeah, man. Uh, story number five, Joe Scrubbles, a made-up name. Is leaving IGN. Joe Scrubbles tweeted today, well, today is my last day at IGN. Can't say where I'm headed to yet, but it feels surreal to be leaving. This has been an incredible place to work. I've never felt more able to make what I wanted to make, chase what I wanted to chase. Shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, the made-up name, Joe Scrubbles. Hell yeah. Uh, congratulations. Can't wait to see what you're Congrats. doing next. But obviously, thank you for all the work that you've done at IGN for so long. We have uh, covered... His new stories on this show for years since the beginning. So thank you yeah. for all of that. Yeah, Joe Scrubbles is definitely one of those names that I think is not I, I, kind of funny. Games Daily sort of has has uh, a mythos at this point, right? You know, like there's there's a meta to kind of funny Games Daily, uh -huh. whether it be the the bits, the recurring jokes, the and even the names that pop up when you're citing an, citing an article, right? And when I think of names, you know, I think of you know the Rebecca Valentines of the world. I think of the Jordan Midlers Jordan and Midlers. the Andy Robinsons of the world. You know, I think there are so many names that pop up, pop up, and Joe Scrabbles for sure has been one of them. For even when I was I was listening to the show as a fan, anytime Greg would make the joke, you know, made up name from IGN, Joe Scrabbles. That's something that is part of the kind of funny, um, uh, the kind of funny games daily mythos, mm -hmm. right? And so, salute to you, Joe Scrabbles. Uh, it's been pleasure reading your articles and hearing people read your articles, and good luck to whatever your next endeavor is. Yeah, he's a great dude. I've uh, worked with him. Uh, obviously, he was IGN UK, so we only got to interact uh, a few times at, like, events like Gamescom and uh, E3. I, I, I threw up the uh, dev interview he did back in 2018 with the, uh, my friend Pedro Devs and stuff like that, and I remember help uh, doing production on that. He's great. He's fun. I'm excited to see what he does next because, yeah, he was doing killer stuff over at uh, IGN UK, and uh, he will be missed over there. And, uh, yeah. Hell, yeah. We love you. We love you, Joe. But where Joe's going next, we might – I messed it up. I messed it up <laughs> no, so you're, bad. you're there. You you're know, right. it was almost there. It was almost there. We don't know where he's going next, mm. all right? But hopefully ah, – But, but figuring out go. where he's going is so yeah, far so away. so far away. I'm sorry, guys. I really let you down today. If I wanted to tell you what's going – was coming out on the Mom Grouch Shops today. I'll tell you to look toward the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Do, 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 yeah. There we go. Out today. Bayonetta 3 on the Switch. Wow. It's the Day of the Witch. It is the Day of the Witch. Day of the Witch. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It's coming out PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. We got Resident Evil Reverse. Oh, my God. <laughs> can you believe it? <laughs> I can't believe it. Is this real? Like, I can, believe can this is real. Can someone confirm? I, I, yeah, I need to go confirm. Because I just seeing, don't believe it. I've seen people downloading Reverse on – or are you Reverse? Can, we, can I call it Reverse? I've seen people no, download. They will come for you. They will <laughs> they come, will for, come you. for you. <laughs> I've seen people downloading this video game on Twitter, so I believe it okay. is, in fact, okay. real. Wow. Well, Resident Evil Village coming to Switch and Mac and Resident Evil Village Winter's Expansion, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, uh, all the consoles, you know. Yeah. Factorio on Switch, Dungeon Munchies on PS4 and PS5. Hell yeah. Sharon's Shit Staircase, everything, and Ace Angler Fishing Spirits on Switch. Um, let's see what else we got for you here. Some reader mail. Um, Cozy Bear says Bayonetta 3 is out today. While it remains to be seen whether the Umbra Witch's third outing proves a bestseller, that hasn't stopped Platinum Games from continuing the series. What would you like to see come next from the world of Bayonetta? I don't have an answer for this just because I'm not, I am not the, um, part of the core Bayonetta fan base yet. 
right? I'm still yeah. making my way through Bayonetta 3. And I'm be honest, I have no idea what the fuck is happening in this game, but I enjoy it nonetheless. I think this, the cutscenes and story is batshit, and that's part of what I, what I like from it. But because of that, I couldn't tell you what I want from the future of it. I can tell you what I want from the future of Platinum Games, though, right? Like, Platinum Games is in a, is in, is in a such a fascinating place uh, when it comes to the way that they're talking about their own company and what they want to do. Because uh, they're talking a lot about live service and games as a service mm -hmm. and making these games that are ongoing, that last online, that have updates and all this stuff. And Babylon's Fall was one of their first outings with that. And Babylon's Fall was just terrible, right? One of the worst games of the year. <laughs> and even coming off of that, they're still doubling down. They're like, hey, we understand Babylon's Fall wasn't great. We're sorry. Like, you know, they apologize for it. But they then continue that statement saying, like, no, we still we're, we're still going to make more of these. Like, we still want to try and continue this direction. And I think it is such a bad direction for for Platinum Games specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and so for what I want to see from them, I would want to see them work on more, more of the Bayonettas of the world, more of the Astral Chains of the world. I would love to see an Astral Chain 2 on Switch. I would also like to see more of the Nier's of the world, right? Like, can you bring back Yoko Taro and the team to make um, another a game in the Nier series? And I'm sure that's more on Yoko than it is on... Um, uh yokotaro than it is on platinum but i think leaning more into the things that work for platinum which is the single player uh character action uh games with really good combat and fun stories i think that's the best direction and i'm i'm like i'm sure the problem there is i maybe doesn't make money for them the way that they that they wanted to and yeah. i get that and i wonder then if the solution is to go the licensed route. And it's funny because that's the route they've already gone down and hasn't worked out for them. But I mean, it's, it's you know, hit and miss, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, I it, and, and it, you have to remember in that era, like they were doing so many uh, IP mm -hmm. and stuff. But like, I, I, I see what you're saying where like, if they just focused on like two, you yeah. know, and just did that. Also, uh, really quick, the sequel to Astral Chain should be called Two Astral, Two Chains. Oh, that's really good. Yes. That's really good. But yeah, if they're able to do like go down, go back down the IP route, but do it quality, right? Like, hey, let's, instead of churning out Legend of Korra or TMNT, what if we really took our time with an Avatar game that was a Platinum game? That, when I, when I, when I pitched you, Tim, hey, Platinum Games is making an Avatar The Last Airbender game. That should be the most exciting thing in the world, right? What if it was the most exciting thing in the world? Yeah. What if they nailed it? That would be huge. That would be huge, man. I, I, for me, what I would want, and I feel like, like I've said this a million times now, but like I would love to see an actual crossover of Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. And I feel like, Ooh, like having it. like the Capcom teams work with the the good Platinum teams and try to come up with a way to make that actually work interestingly from a gameplay perspective, the story writes itself. That'd be bonkers and fun, and I, I'm already totally in. Um, but with that, I would love to see it not be tied back to the Switch. Like, I would love to see uh, the next Bayonetta, like, be able to go back to the other consoles as well, um, which is rough. And I, I feel like it, it's probably not going to happen at this point. But Bayonetta 3, unfortunately, I feel like is going to not hit the same for a lot of people because it's not even available on the consoles. They'd want to play a high... Mm -hmm. High-paced action game like that. I, I wish Bayonetta 3 came out in year one or two of the Switch. Because I think that was that glowing period of, oh, man, it's on the Switch. I'm going to buy it. it. I yeah. have to get it, right? And, like, I, we were seeing the Switchification of every single Nintendo franchise. Of It comes out on the Switch, and now 
it is having its highest sales volume ever. And I think I'm, I think that'll happen for Bayonetta 3. I know? think easily that'll happen for yeah. Bayonetta 3, but I, I don't think to the extent that it could have in that time frame, like you're saying. Yeah. Man. It's like, it's, I, I think that clearly the Bayonetta Switch rollout plan didn't happen the way that Platinum expected it to, right? Like Bayonetta 3 being announced years ago at this point, and now it's, up, it's finally here yeah. alongside Reverse. I'm on the uh, Platinum Games website because I know they had, they announced uh, like what the Platinum 4, the Platinum 5, they had, a slate of games that are coming up for Platinum that they announced, right? And one of them is Project uh, GG, which is a, or Project Agogo, I guess. Maybe that's the, sl- the the tagline, but that is the third iteration of the Hero trilogy, right? Between Wonderful 101 um, and the what was it? What was the other one? Beautiful Joe. Beautiful, beautiful Joe. Joe. Bring back Beautiful Joe for the love of God. <laughs> like, not even for sales because it would do terribly, but just for me, for me personally, <laughs> yeah. I would love to bring Beautiful Joe back. It's fun. It's Love fun that. looking back. It's interesting looking back at their catalog, right? I'm on their games page and looking, going back through, right? Bayonetta three just came out. Yeah, Babylon's Fall, which is terrible. Soul Cresta, which is like a niche thing for their audience. Um, apparently, they did the Neo Classic Arcade series. World of Demons, which I don't think I know what World of Demons is. Project, and I think that's an announced thing. I don't know if that's out. Project GG, Wonderful 101 Remastered, Astro Chain, which I loved. Astro Chain, Near Automata, which so many people loved. Near Automata, Bayonetta 2, so many people loved it. Bayonetta. Then you get into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutants in Manhattan, Vanquish, which is cool. Star Fox Zero, which uh, Transformers Devastation, which was actually pretty cool. Love, love pretty Devastation. good game. Uh, Legend of Korra and Revengeance, Anarchy. <laughs> Damn, I forgot they did Anarchy Reigns and Mad World. Yeah. Holy shit, they did Mad World. <laughs> They've had such a fascinating history that, like, I guess, yeah, it is made up of just varying degrees of quality, but I think has always stuck with the niche, like, hey, we're making a thing for a specific audience, which, again, isn't going to go crazy for them in sales. So I understand why they want to shift. Um, I just want I just want them to shift in a way that's appropriate for them, that works for them, that still takes advantage of the things that makes Platinum Games Platinum Games. So that's my biggest hope for their future. Yeah. Uh, remember, you can go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong to correct us as we get things wrong during the show, just like Kebabs did, who says Sonic Colors released on November 11th, 2010. Sonic Unleashed was 2008. So, um, and, and this is uh, editorializing, but I like it real quick here, Bless. Mm-hmm. Charles Jacobson says, got to put this out there. Blue Point released Demon Souls in 2020, Shadow of the Colossus in 2018. Jeff could have seen their new project. <sighs> I'm hopeful, man. I'm. I am. What Blue Point's working on is probably one of the questions I want answered the most mm-hmm. in all of gaming. I believe the last we checked, they're working on something original. They're what not doing a remake. Well, that's we don't know. What could that be though? Original can mean a lot of things. That's original true. content. Remember, there's a whole conversation. Yeah. Original Bloodborne game. <laughs> Give me Shadow Colossus too. <laughs> Let's see. More shadows, more hedgehogs. Uh, let us know in the comments below what you want Blue Point to be working on, uh, and what you think Jeff is teasing with what he's seen uh but we are about to do a whole bunch of really cool fun stuff hanging out all the way till 5 p.m today isn't that right greg miller Yeah. it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a party we're gonna hang out with you live twitch.tv slash kind of funny games youtube.com slash kind of funny games doing a whole bunch of fun stuff but bless until next time but our pleasure to serve you